0: Well, if you have your Bibles with you, and I hope you do today, turn with me to Psalm 22. This is one of the great lament psalms in all the Bible. We're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 22. As you turn there, let me pray for us. Father God, we come before you today in need. All of us have embittering experiences. Maybe some of them are more acute right now than others but Lord, we are all going to walk through difficult, dark days. And Lord, we need your word right now. We need a communication from you to know how to walk through those. May we not be a people that are are settled or stuck in our anger or in the bitterness that comes from an embittering experience. Lord, may we be able to move forward through those things and in hopeful, healthy, happy ways. Lord, to enable us to do that, we need to understand Your Word, but to really understand Your Word, we know that we need Your Spirit to come and fill this room and give us eyes to see. So Lord, illumine our eyes to the glories of Your Word. Help us to understand it. Help us to see it as good news. Help us to apply it to different areas of our lives. Lord, if there's some sort of dark corner of our heart something that we're just clinging to that we need to turn from or, or we need to let go, I pray, Father, that we would today. So Lord, we invite your spirit to come to give us eyes to see, to give us faith, to give us conviction, to give us encouragement today. Lord, to that end, I pray that I would not say anything out of step with your will or your word, but I would simply hide behind the cross. It's in Jesus' name we'll pray. Amen. Well, bitterness is the, really the root cause of all the great comic book villains. Like, think about it. As you think about all those villains, something unfair happened to them. Something hard happened to them. They experienced some sort of injustice, some sort of pain, some sort of rejection, some sort of sorrow. They had an embittering experience, and then it turned them into bitter villains. Like, I'll start with Loki. You remember Loki, right? Like, we know Prince William, Prince Harry, and Harry's written a book called Spare... Like, that's, that's Loki and Thor, right? Like, Thor was the heir, but Loki was the spare. He felt that. He felt rejected. And, and that drives him to becoming a really a bitter villain. Think about the Green Goblin. You know Green Goblin from Spider-Man? He's one of the really great comic book villains. Well, the origin story of the Green Goblin is, is that the Green Goblin actually kills Spider-Man's girlfriend, Gwen Stacy. And in response, Spider-Man kills him. And then... The Green Goblin's son, Harry Osborn, who is friends in some of the origin stories with Spider-Man, he is just so filled with anger and hate towards Spider-Man that that he becomes this embittered villain, one of the real nasty, terrifying villains. Remember Two-Face, Batman fans? Two-Face was a DA. He was an attorney fighting for justice, and a mobster throws uh, acid in his face, and half of his face is burned, and that kind of sends him spiraling down into kind of madness. He gets real you know, absorbed with the number two, but, but he has all these crazy things that happen to him and it just fills him with this hatred, hatred towards Batman and others that he's just filled with this bitterness from this great injustice that happened to him. Kids, you've seen the Incredibles, right? Like you remember Incrediboy, like, you know, Incrediboy, you know, it starts out good. He's trying to help out, but in reality, he doesn't need to be doing that kind of stuff. So Mr. Incredible says, Hey, chill out. You know, don't get in the middle of all this. Well, Boy takes that the wrong way. And then who does he become? Syndrome. Like the root cause of syndrome is bitterness towards Mr. Incredible. Listen, all the great comic book villains have this. And this is the truth that those comic book creators have tapped into, which is embittering experience can turn us into bitter villains. Now, today, as we start this new series, Battling Bitterness, I have to say, I I can't stop embittering experiences from happening in your life. They've already happened. They're going to happen. And and to be real honest, brutally honest, and we need to understand this point, the Bible doesn't say anything different. The Bible is very clear that embittering experiences are going to happen in your life. They happen to Jesus. They're going to happen to you. So we can't stop those. But my prayer is, is to help you from becoming a bitter villain. Really, over the next four weeks, we're going to get to the nature of bitterness. And then we're going to look at four different ways or four different tools on how to battle bitterness. So today we're going to start with lament. And we're going to look at one of the great lament psalms in the Bible, Psalm 22. Next week, we're going to talk about forgiveness. Then we're going to talk about putting away or putting off. And then we're going to talk about trust. But let's start with Psalm 22, verses 1 and 2. And understand that lament acknowledges brokenness. Verse 1 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, I find no rest. If you're familiar with those words, it's probably because you remember that Jesus said those on the cross. So this is just Matthew twenty-seven forty-six. Jesus says those exact words. And many commentators believe that actually what Jesus actually does on the cross is not just say those two verses, but he actually recites the whole thing. That Jesus claims these things, he goes to this psalm in that moment. He feels abandoned. He feels abandoned. Now we know God did not abandon him. We know God does not abandon any of us. None of us are forgotten. None of us are forsaken. But we can have those moments where we feel abandoned Rejection is one of the the great causes of bitterness. Rejection is one of the most painful experiences that you can walk through. Today, we're kicking around, uh, we're we're kicking off this series of these four different ways to battle bitterness. And we're starting with lament. But I want to take a second on bitterness, explaining what bitterness is. Robert Jones is a biblical counselor and has a great little book on resentment. And here's how he he defines bitterness he says that it's settled anger, it's settled anger. It's anger, but it's settled. Now listen, the the cause of all bitterness is some sort of an embittering experience, right? Something, some injustice has happened, some, some wrong has happened, some painful thing has happened, and it's caused us to then become angry. But that anger just sits, it settles, it doesn't move on. Now you're right, step one, this was an embittering experience. You're not wrong to feel angry about it. You're not wrong to feel hurt by it. But what do you do with it? Bitterness is, is that it just sits there. In other words, it sours your soul. That's really what bitterness is. It's the souring of our souls. The best image of, of bitterness that I can find is when you, when you taste something that is sour or harsh. Like if you've ever done a Seder service, or we, we've done those in the past... There's a moment in that service, that old ancient Passover service, where, where they taste the bitters, right? And we typically, when we've done it, we use horseradish. And you taste it, and it's in, sorry kids, but it, it's fun when all the kids have to taste it, and parents are making them do it. You know, And their, their face kind of clenches up. Don't tell my kids this, but when they were little, we made them try a lemon just to see what would happen, and we just giggled. But that face that we make when we eat something sour, something bitter, that's really what's going on in our soul. That that can happen to our soul, and that's what bitterness is. But to be clear, bitterness acknowledges the brokenness of the world. That lemon is sour, that betrayal is painful, That, that injustice was wrong you're not wrong to feel those things it is souring to our soul and it's acknowledging the brokenness of the world this world is broken now on psalm 22 that this first statement that he makes here one of the commentators that i read said that this is a raspy scream of one who is in deep distress it's a great description of these first two verses have you ever been there great distress, where all you can get out is a raspy scream. Why have you abandoned me? Why am I walking through this? Hear me, friends. The Bible doesn't teach that you're going to be able to avoid all embittering brokenness in this world. Spouses abandon. coworkers betray. Parents can be harsh. Children can wound. Churches and church leaders can fall short and even abuse. The Bible is clear that you're going to go through embittering seasons. Jesus himself had this this scream, this bloody, anguished cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And just like Jesus, every one of us is going to walk through some sort of embittering experience. Therefore, lament, acknowledging the bitterness. Yet lament, also acknowledging promises. Look at 3-5. through Yet, you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried and were rescued. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. Now, structurally, these first five verses are really kind of a lament within a lament. A lament. The whole psalm is a lament. But this is kind of a maybe a mini lament within a lament. Now, I'm going to circle back to that in a moment. But what I want you to see from these verses is there's this one small beautiful powerful faithful word yet this is what makes it a lament yet yet god now listen the first step of a lament is, is to lay those things before him the anguished distressed cry why is this happening why am i walking through this why why is this in uh, this uh, unjust thing happening to me Why is this pain happening to me? But if you stop there, then you have not been faithful in your lament because every lament gets to this yet God moment. That's that's what is uh, uh, not only authentic, but that's what is pious and good and healthy if you can get to the yet God moment. Like listen, God wants you to lay out the pain. He wants you to be honest and authentic about it. But if you stop there, Not only are you not being faithful, but you're actually not being healthy. It's not going to lead to happiness for you. It's not going to lead to hopefulness for you. You have to get to the yet God moment. You have to get to that moment of acknowledging His promises. Even though the psalmist is walking through these deep distresses, he still clings to what he knows to be true about God and what he knows to be true about God's promises. You see, even though he's experiencing something that's very wicked, he still trusts that God is holy. So even though he feels abandoned, he feels betrayed, he feels stuck in his circumstances, even though he's walking through that, he still trusts that God will deliver him and rescue him. That faith is still there. He knows who God is. He knows his attributes. He knows his history with him, and he knows all about his covenant promises, and he clings to them, and he hopes to them. Therefore, we're Uh, uh, he was able to both authentically acknowledge the brokenness while then also trusting God for his promises that God will eventually make things whole and make things new. That's how he was able to move forward. That's how he was able to get unstuck out of that settled anger. That's how he was able to move forward in healthy, happy, hopeful ways is by trusting in God and in his promises. In other words... That's how he kept from becoming a comic book villain, right? That's how he kept from just being stuck in that that bitterness. And and hear me, that's also how he became, uh, that's how he demonstrated his faithfulness in that moment. Steve Vyers is a a really good pastor up in Indiana. And he says that biblical lament is a choice to speak directly to the Lord about our bitter circumstances. And listen, I, I want you to hear me on that point today. Faithfulness is not... Slapping on some sort of fake, phony smile when things are not going well. When you're walking through something that's very embittering, He doesn't want you to be phony and plastic about it. He, he wants you to be honest and authentic uh, about what's going on. He, he wants you to speak directly to the Lord. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to be honest about the pain, honest about the embittering experience. You see, the Bible doesn't say, but the, the Bible doesn't say that faithfulness stops there, though. It doesn't stop at the authentic anguish. That's really just the first step. The Bible then tells us to eventually get to that yet God moment. Until you can get to that yet God moment, you haven't faithfully walked through lament. The best book uh, that I found on lament is a book called Dark Clouds and Deep Mercy, and I highly recommend it to you. Here's, the author defines lament this way, that it's an honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. There's a paradox that's happening, right? You're in pain, yet you believe there's these good promises ahead of you. And it feels like a paradox. But pushing into that paradox is how you move forward. But my definition for lament is that it's authentic cries to God about brokenness of this world. Brokenness can be something done to you. To be honest, brokenness can be something you do to someone else but brokenness can just be the reality of this world. It's no one's fault necessarily, but it's this painful thing that's happening to you. So it's authentic about the brokenness of the world and it cries to God about those, yet it's continuing to trust Him and His good promises. It's getting to that yet God moment. So lament acknowledges Him and His promises. But when should we lament? This is where the psalm goes now. He's going to give us two different categories of when we're supposed to lament. The first one is lament when you're low. Look at 6 to 11. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Being a worm is humiliating. They're the, you know, they're the dirtiest of creatures, maybe. They, they live in the dirt. They eat the dirtiest of things. And in the psalmist's anguished cry, he says, I'm like the worm. I'm the lowest of low. The, the brokenness of this world can make you feel like a worm. It can make you feel less than human, right? That's what's going on here. And listen, humanity has this nasty history, don't we? Of other humans... Making other humans feel less than human, right? That, that's what's going on here. He feels less than human. He feels taken advantage of. He feels betrayed. He feels abused. He feels like a worm. And then he says in verse six that he is scorned. He's despised. So he's openly disliked. He's openly mocked. Those around him, they have this deep, heartfelt contempt for him. They, they hate him at the deepest of levels. They. And their hatred, it manifests itself in these really mean and nasty words and taunts of him to the degree that it really gets kind of at the, the core of their identity of who they are. It gets to his relationship with God. who he is. It gets to his spirituality, his religion. They, they, they end up making fun of God at the end. That, that's how much they hate him. That, that's how brash they are to him. If you've ever had that type of experience, I want you to know that you're not alone. Because this is another link to then Matthew 27 and Jesus' experience on the cross. Jesus walked through this scenario. This happened to Jesus. Matthew 27, 39 said, and those who passed by derided Him, wagging their heads. And then in 43 it says, He trusts in God. Let God deliver him. If He desires Him, for He said, I am the Son of God. Listen, if people are surrounding you, mocking you, if you're low because of that know that you're not alone jesus has been right there if someone in your life is making you feel less human like a worm know that you're not alone because jesus has been there and further know that you can come to him with your pain in that moment in that heaviest darkest most stinging pain you can lay that on christ you can cry out to jesus in that moment for help lament when you are low verse 9 says Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth. And from my mother's womb, you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. Now before he's been real corporate in this lament, but now it's gotten real personal. He's been treated as less than human but, but he has this experience of God not treating him less than human, but being, but being just faithful in, in his greatest of needs. God was there even before he was born. God was helping him and caring for him. At each step of the way, God loved him and walked with him. But where is he now? He needs help now. And he goes back to those moments when God was there sustaining him, preserving him, caring for him. He goes back and says, God, where are you now? I need you now. Can you feel his cry? Have you been there before? Faithful Christian, do you have this experience of God's goodness in your life? He's been there. He's walked with you in those moments. But but then you're in this moment again and you're wondering where, where he is right now. You need his help. You need that personal experience of God again. Psalm 22, these verses 6 to 11, they teach us, to lament when we're low, at our lowest, when we're mocked, when we're despised, when we cry out to God for help. He wants you to complain to Him in those moments. Like He wants you to lay your burdens on Him. He wants you to remember His past grace in order to believe the promises of His future grace. He wants you to cry out to Him for help in those moments, in those lowest of moments, believing that He will help you. He wants you to lament when you're at your lowest. The second image he gives is that he wants you also to lament when you're surrounded. Look look at verse 12. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like like a raving and roaring lion. The image here is these wild animals See, these enemies of his are, are like wild beasts who they're dangerous and they've surrounded him they've encircled him so then they can pounce on him and destroy him whatever he's walking through that's at least what it feels like in that moment so we can lament and take these embittering experiences him when we're surrounded the call here is to lament when you're surrounded look at look at verse 14 i am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a pot, a pot sheared. And my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. Not only is he surrounded, but he's drained of strength. His energy is gone. He's empty. He's done. His energy and strength have just melted away like the hot wax. He can, uh, we can lament and take that type of embittering experience to him. When, you, when you're just done. When you're exhausted and at your end, you can cry out to him, lament to him when you're empty. Verse 16, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among me. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Your mind's probably going to the cross here, right? Again, Matthew 27 uh highlights these things that happen in verse 35 you see like dogs jesus's accusers those and those soldiers they surrounded him they pierced his hands they pierced his feet his his body was just withering away you could see his bones and he he wasn't even human anymore and the people that walked by these dogs that surrounded him he was just a freak show that's all that they saw him for. They didn't even see him as a human anymore. The only value that he had to them was the gore and this little wealth that he had that they were gambling away. Jesus knows what it's like to be chewed up and spit out. If you ever feel that way, Jesus has been there. You can lament your pain because Jesus has been there you can lay your burdens upon him because his hands were pierced you can go to him with your embittering experience because he has the scars on his back from this broken world he knows what it's like friend what's your deepest pain today take it to him L- lament when you're surrounded look at 19 to 21 but you O oh lord do not be far off oh you my help. Come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. When the psalmist is surrounded, he continues to trust the Lord. He continues to cry out to God for help. He, he is faithful to take his pain to the Lord as well as faithful to claim those promises, those future hopes that he has. As I briefly mentioned before, Psalm 22 is what I think is kind of a lament within a lament. There's maybe multiple laments here. Like like you see yet you in verse 5, yet you in verse 9, but you in verse 19. And listen, I, I highlight that point of a lament within a lament. Just, just to make it a simple but I think very important point. That lament is not a one and done situation. Okay, what I'm laying out here of how to lament, it's not one and done you're done cool move on to the next thing like listen you might wake up Monday morning with with these memories and these feelings again and, and be mad or hurt again and listen friend if you're there lament take those to the Lord those anguished cries to him and then trust him for his promises but then when you wake up Tuesday morning if it's still there friend lament again and listen if Wednesday you're kind of at peace with things praise God Thursday, if it's going well, awesome. But Friday, if, it, if you come to Friday again, you wake up again and it's, it's there once again. That, that memory from 10 years ago, what she did to you a decade ago, then lament again. It's a lament within a lament in order to teach us to keep lamenting. Maybe you've categorically forgiven someone, but, but if the anger wells up again, you're, you're not at peace with them again, you feel the sting of betrayal again, forgive them again. Go through that lament again. Notice something about verse 21. It begins with an imperative. Save me. But then notice where it goes. It it actually then ends up with a perfect verb. You have rescued me. Isn't that glorious? He's been crying out for God to help. And help has arrived. God has heard his lament. He has borne his pain. He's believed the promises. And now God has rescued him. Brothers and sisters, lament when you're surrounded. Turn to Him. Meaning, be real, be authentic, be unhinged, be wild. He can bear your burden, He can receive your vent. He's heard all the nasty words. When they surround you, lament. When they surround you, keep turning to Him until you believe His promises. Keep seeking Him for help and salvation and deliverance, and faithfully trust Him through the pain. When they surround you, lament. Lament until you can sing a new song. Look at verse 22. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify Him. And stand in awe of Him, all the offspring of Israel. For He has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, He's not hidden his face from him. He's not heard when he, when he cried to him. Psalms are songs, really. Like this is really, wasn't originally meant to be uh, read. It was really meant to be sung. All these are, are songs. Psalm 22 does something, I think, marvelous. It, 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 it begins with this anguished cry. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But, but it ends with praise. It begins with abandonment. And then it ends with this confident faith in God for his promises. You see, this this song of lament, it closes with praise. He's praising God for his promises. He's hurt by the brokenness of this world, but but he's hopeful because of God's promises to the degree that he can sing a new song. He began with this anguished cry, this raspy scream, and now he's singing a new song, this new song of praise. Lament until you can sing a new song. Verse 25 and 26 say, From you comes my praise and the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear Him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek Him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. So unlike the dogs that surrounded Him, God doesn't make Him feel like a worm. God doesn't despise him as afflicted as less than human he doesn't hide his face from those suffering from these embittering experiences rather it says in verse 26 the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied those who who bear their souls to the lord and then trust the promise they they experience soul satisfaction right now it might be in anguish It might be in that pain, but that's not the end. Lament takes us to soul satisfaction. It takes us from bitterness to praise. Brothers and sisters, lament until you can sing a new song. Look at 27. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before Him, for kingship belongs to the Lord, and He rules over the nations. He's taken this... Turn now to hoping God and sovereign things. God is sovereign over all things. He's the creator God. He rules. He has a plan. He's leading all things in a direction, including your pain. There's purpose behind your pain. There's a plan that he's working out through your pain. It's not the end. Your embittering experience is not the end. You don't have to stay settled in your anger. You can make that yet God turn. Because He is sovereign over all things. He has a purpose in all things. He's working good in all things. And we can praise Him in all things. Lament until you can sing a new song. Look at 29, 30, and 31. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before Him shall bow all those who go down to the dust. Even though the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve Him. It shall be told to the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim His righteousness to a people yet born that He has done it. Friends, there is a day. There's a day coming when all things are going to be made right. All the brokenness that you experience here, it's all going to be fixed. It's all going to be made whole. All will eat. All will worship. Shalom awaits. That's the promise. Amen? That day is coming. Amen? Amen? That's our promise. But it's not today. It's not right now. It's not the present. And hear me, the Bible is brutally clear that this day will be marked by brokenness. When someone betrays you, honestly cry out to him over the pain. When you once again feel the sting of racism, authentically lay that burden on the Lord. When your your family overlooks you again, pray those tearful, angry prayers again. But don't stop there. Don't stop there. Keep praying until you get to the promises. Keep keep crying until you can get to the hope. Lament until you can sing a new song. You might be asking yourself, okay, I agree. I have some level of bitterness in my heart. Sounds like lament is the solution. Great. That's how I need to battle bitterness. But how do I do it? I want to close with just kind kind of four things, which I think is kind of a helpful formula for how to lament. Again, this is taken from this book, which I highly recommend, Dark Clouds and Deep Mercy. He kind of gives four steps or a little bit of a formula for how to lament. The first one is, is, turn to God. So when you walk through an embittering experience, step one is to turn to God. The brokenness you experience, it might be caused by somebody else. Let's be honest again, it might be caused by you. But turning to God means going to Him in prayer. And maybe it means going to him and saying, I screwed up again. I, I put my foot in my mouth again. I, I cringe at what I said again. Whatever it is, whatever that pain is, turn to him. And when you turn to him, the second step is bring your complaint. Like maybe you treated a coworker well, but then they ended up treating you like a worm, something less than human. But lay that complaint before God, get specific about how it was wrong. Like, like, be honest about how it hurts. V- vent your anger in prayer. Get historical in your prayer journal. Be authentic about the brokenness. When you turn to Him, bring that complaint to Him. The third step is, is to ask boldly. And, and this is demonstrated all throughout Psalm 22 of asking boldly. Like all, all the lament psalms, they ask God bold things. For example, maybe when you feel low, ask Him to raise you up. When you feel surrounded, ask Him to spring you from the trap. When you wake up angry again, ask Him to soften your heart again. Ask Him to help you to for, forgive again. Ask Him to help you get to that place of peace. Go back to His glorious attributes in those moments. Go back to who you know He is. Like Go back to Him and say, because you are gracious, give me your grace now. Be, be, because you are righteous, restore righteousness. Ask boldly. Fourth and final step is to choose to trust. Friend, maybe your spouse is not coming back, but trust that your eternal heavenly bridegroom is enough. Like maybe your cutting remarks spoiled that friendship forever, but trust that you still have a friend in Jesus better than any other friend. Maybe that unjust firing, maybe that is going to lead to financial ruin for you. But believe and trust that Jesus is the bread of life and he always fills. Maybe like Paul. Maybe like Paul, you have this thorn in the flesh that just haunts you your whole life. And maybe God in his good sovereignty chooses not to take it from you, but but it's just always there in that thorn in the flesh. Trust him that a day is coming when all things are going to be made new. All things are going to be made right. Lament is born out of embittering suffering. And a lament happens because the world is broken. We have some courageous Christian forefathers from church history who, who suffered greatly. In fact, one group of, of these great Christians, part of their injustice and their suffering was, was even more embittering because the reality of it is that some of the layers of the suffering here is that those sufferings were at the hands of other Christians. Like they were Christians, they were suffering, The ones who were causing the suffering of them were other Christians. However, in their suffering, this group of Christians, they've left us with beautiful and moving laments. See, their songs were really their doctrine. Their doctrine were these honest, anguished cries to God about the brokenness of the world. But they didn't stay there. Then there were these, these turns, these beautiful turns, where they trusted again in God's steadfast love and in His good promises. I'm talking about those dear Christian forefathers, the American slaves. I love the spirituals. I've been so encouraged by them, inspired by them. One of the the old spirituals is titled "Lord, Until I Reach My Home." Let me read some of the lyrics. Lord, until I reach my home, I never expect to give the journey over. Until I reach my home, old Satan's mighty busy; he follows me night and day, and every time I go to pray. Now don't you mind old Satan with all his tempting charms. He wants to steal your soul away and fold you in his arms. When I was lying at hell's dark door, no one to pity poor me, Master Jesus, he came riding by and brought me liberty. Man, I wish I could have told those slaves that they weren't going to walk through an embittering injustice. I wish I could tell you that you're not going to walk through some sort of embittering season of your life. But the Bible is clear that we will. The Bible is clear that there's going to be people that is, they're going to treat you as less human. They're going to treat you like a worm. There's going to be moments where the brokenness of this world is going to surround you like wild animals ready to destroy you. When those moments come, cry out to God. When the brokenness of this world tries to break you like it did Jesus on the cross in those moments he's been there he knows he can, he can bear your burdens he loves you he wants to be your father your friend your savior so in those moments keep crying keep praying until you get to that new song and that song is not a bitter song it's a beautiful song trusting him and his good promises through the pain It's how you get the health. It's how you get the happiness. It's how you get the hope. Don't become a bitter villain. Lament the brokenness, but hope in His promises. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, some of us are crying out for Master Jesus to come riding by to give us our liberty. Some of us need to be freed from bitterness today. Lord, I don't fault anyone in this room who's struggling. This world is a broken place. People hurt. Loved ones die. Disease comes too soon. We walk through some embittering things. You've been honest and open about it. You haven't lied to us about it. You've been straight and truthful with us about it. But you've also provided a way through it. May we be a people that lament, acknowledge the brokenness, but also acknowledge the promises. And may those promises carry us through so that we're not settled and stuck in our anger. May we trust you today. It's in Jesus' name. we